0: Welcome to episode number 38 of Circles Off. I'm Rob Pozzola, joined by Johnny from BetStamp. What's up, everyone? What's going on with you?
1: We're debuting the new uh, new sports memorabilia here. For those uh, on audio, you can't see it. Uh, I actually haven't seen it yet. Edmonton mm-hmm. Oilers, NHL franchise, Connor McDavid, the legend, greatest player in the league right now arguably signed mini helmet as we're recording on the COVID list as is of on today. The go Leafs, go rush
0: to market to bet against Edmonton today.
1: Yeah, it's, um, this one, this one is one of the few players. I mean, I won't say few players in the, in the NHL, but just less so than, uh, NBA, that'll move the whole, that'll definitely move the line. Uh, quite, quite a be- Well, what would you make him percentage overall?
0: Oh, uh, well it, off, on the team he's playing now, I can't remember what the swing was today, but it was like, maybe 5%, something like that. Five, but it was that including the fact that he was got COVID yesterday it was already impl- implied out or is it today's market? I think he, that? I think he was considered doubtful and then confirmed out like the, the NHL rules are, are ridiculous, but like, I'm pretty sure you need two negative tests. So I don't know why the market would have only considered him doubtful today. Like, I don't think he had a chance to play, but anyways, that's part of sports betting now is understanding how the COVID lists work and, uh, who can come off well, it? What what it takes? I mean, it's kind of a disaster. Okay, give me roughly then
1: with a neutral ice surface, or sorry, in in home game for Toronto, but no fans. With Toronto's lineup right now as is versus with McDavid in, what would the line be? And then we know right as of right now, it's like minus two eighty for Toronto. Which yeah, is I, ha- I have
0: like close to seventy five percent implied for the for the Leafs at home, so just a little bit higher than market right in now. this current in this current yeah rate. So what would it be without with McDavid in? Uh, going back, probably we're looking at something like minus 200. Okay, fair enough. So it's not moving it a ton, a ton. It's it's the biggest uh skill position player in hockey that's going to move a line.
1: Yeah, makes sense. So yeah, we got, we're debuting the McDavid mini helmet. We're going to try to showcase uh, some different sports memorabilia every single week uh, that we do the podcast. Obviously, you know, football helmets are cool. Hockey helmets, not as popular. The mini helmets are awesome though. You know, you could stack them up collect all the teams and then Mick David is just obviously one of the top players in the league so it's a nice nice piece to have.
0: Um anyways, today's show, well, what else is up this week? I mean not honestly, not a whole lot. I'm uh I'm kind of just done with the COVID landscape even though it's not going to be done. It's causing so much more work. And honestly, you should as a sports better, if I wasn't beat down, this is the kind of stuff I would live for. <laughs> Because, because like obviously, like whenever you have stuff like this where there's large uncertainty, players coming in and out of the lineups, that's probably when you have your biggest edge if you're monitoring stuff, right? Like regular NHL day, not a lot happening. You play your bets in the morning. There's not a lot going on, whatever. But now you have like so many different periods in the day where news can work in your favor or against you. You just got to constantly be available. So it's pretty. I'm pretty beat down. Following NFL and NHL, like two sports that I bet um, seriously at the same time, it's just like I enjoyed the Christmas break when the league NHL shut down for a week. A couple days. I was really looking forward to potential Olympic break where I was like, okay, two weeks off of this sport, football will be done because it's right after the Super Bowl. Take a couple weeks, relax. But because of the delays now, they'll probably be rescheduling games, NHL not going to the Olympics, so that's really the state that I'm in right now. <laughs>
1: it's honestly, it's tough. I think the Olympic break would have been fun. Definitely for sure. It sucks that that got canceled. I mean, Olympic hockey with the NHL players is awesome. Without it. It's, oh, yeah. it's not, it's not as much. I,
0: I'll say this as, um, we talked about this a couple weeks ago when the, the news was first breaking about the NHL. Well, obviously me and me and Johnny are, uh, Toronto based. We're in Canada. I feel like this is the last time if the Olympics were held this year with NHL players, I feel like is the last time that Canada would be favored over the U.S. I feel like in 2026 the U S Olympic team will be the favorites for a gold and going forwards. That's just going to be the case. You might be right. But with that
1: being said, like those games are such crapshoots that like, what would you, what would you really make them?
0: Oh, I, I, and they're one and done. It's not yeah, like you're playing a best of seven series. series or anything like that for sure. I mean, it's Complete crapshoot. But I'm I'm looking at the the talent that the U.S. has produced in the draft for, like, the last three or four years relative to other countries, especially Canada, and they're just producing way more
1: high-end players. Yeah, you might be right. Like, it's obviously more popular. Hockey's more popular in the States now, and then when you, you know, I guess compare sheer size of countries, they're going to have more talent. But I will say it's kind of bananas that Canada was so favored for so long in Olympic hockey as well as, like, world juniors and stuff like that because – is like I said, it's one team and it's all, it's a one game elimination tournament. So a regular Olympic hockey, it's not like you're playing a team of like NHL players versus like minor leaguers. Like the entire Swedish team is NHL players. The entire, you know, Finnish team, Czech team, Russia is usually not because they have some KHL players that are NHL caliber. Like everyone's NHL caliber in the Olympics on the major countries. So, and then obviously USA, superior, in a few areas for sure, mainly like goaltending now.
0: Yeah, for sure. Anyways, uh, two topics for today's episode, which we'll get into, uh, and then we're going to debut a new segment at the end, which we teased last week, uh, tweets that trigger us. Uh, will be interesting. I think I selected the majority of the tweets this week because I'm more triggerable than you are, but it'll be uh, interesting at the end um, to turn that into some sort of educational piece. But uh, first topic this week, uh, we're going to talk about NFL live betting strategies. And the reason why is I hosted a Twitter spaces on our Betstamp account on Sunday night. Um, I actually don't do a whole ton of NFL live betting. Part of the reason why is because I'm usually watching on a delayed stream uh, because I don't have, actually have cable. I pay for streaming service. So I'm behind real time. It makes it very difficult to live bet. With that said, guys, hold up. You know how we did a
1: segment identifying fraud betters. <laughs> Not paying for the fastest possible stream of cable, that's got that's that's actually on the list. Now I'm not saying Rob's a fraud better in any capacity, <laughs> but you gotta pay for the fastest stream for like you know what I mean? You can't be watching a delayed fee sweating games on a uh,
0: on the zone. No like shout out the zone, you know, great service. The zone is the only uh, rights holder in Canada for NFL Red Zone. So that's the challenge. I can't watch, you're different than me. Your Sunday experience is you put up all the games that you're interested in and you watch those. I don't. I watch Red Zone on Sundays. Yeah, that's also delayed. Yeah, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm aware. There's lots of times where I tweet about stuff and I'll get some sort of comment of like, oh, great, like thanks for telling me after the fact type of thing. Oh, you're genius. I'm not, I mean, I'm I've seen what I conceive to be real time. It doesn't bother me though. It bothers me for live betting, obviously. That's a struggle. But, and it always, it hasn't always been like this. I have no reason to get cable anymore other than sports. Yeah, no one. it's a disaster. Like my,
1: my, yeah, no one does. Yeah, I mean, like I'm, I'm obviously like a couple years younger than you and I don't, I've never actually cared about cable. Like obviously when I was a kid, had cable watching like cartoons and stuff like that and like watching, you know, TV shows, but. I don't watch anything on TV except for sports, but I'll still pay for cable because I, like, you know what I mean? Turn on the Leaf game. Like, I don't want to have to go through the hassle of even, like, these people are not even going to, like, you, if you're from the U.S., Sportsnet now, Sportsnet Go, TSN Go, you know, you obviously don't know what those are, but they're just, like, the streaming services for yeah. the ESPN equivalents. Um, yeah, I don't want to have to connect my computer. I don't have to log into a Portland TV, and then the game's, like, two minutes delayed. It's like, once you... Also, it's, once about, you, it's about 20 to 30 seconds. Okay, but once you bet on sports and you're following multiple games for NFL, if you're watching on a delayed stream of any capacity, even if it's 30 seconds to a minute delayed, now it prohibits me from checking the second screen experience of Twitter or checking the other scores because I'm going to ruin something. So, yes, obviously I have to have other box scores open for checking everything, not just that. And what I do is we've got, um, you know, three screens here at right now at this time but normally sometimes we'll be like up to five but when we've got three to five screens we'll be basically managing the remotes and getting the game that's has the most action on the tv so I'm checking the scores of the games to say okay Cincinnati's in the red zone put that on volume put that on right screen then we get that on left screen And you just have people manning the remotes here that's the play if you're going to Actually, like just watch on a delayed stream. Then as soon as you check the scores, you're gonna be like, "Oh, Derrick Henry got a touchdown! Uh Colts are in the red zone." And then you're gonna change it to red zone. You can see on your phone that Pittman just put in a punch in a touchdown. And then you're gonna like see another play. And you're be like,
0: "Ah, oh, this is the Pittman touchdown." You don't get to watch anything live. It's like yes, but you play fantasy sports. I don't. And even when I play daily fantasy, I don't check score. I don't check scores or fantasy in real time. Like my phone is not with me other than Twitter being open. And I actually don't, I I don't want to say that I like it when the game's ruined for me, but I don't mind it. Like when I see everybody going crazy on Twitter and I know something crazy is about to happen, it's like a level of adrenaline that I get. That's hard to describe. I don't know it's really weird but none of that stuff bothers me definitely there's a lot of people that that's going to be completely bothersome like I don't want to ruin the game or whatever but I I just did Twitter spaces with uh, Frank Brank and Austin Mock and their US regular cable feeds were like on the same level as the one that I was watching on delay anyway so who knows I don't even like who's really watching in real time anymore.
1: All I'm saying is I will, like, for the amount of money that it costs, which is, again, it's it's, it's a decent amount, but it's not, like, crazy that we c- you we can't afford cable. Like, I'm going to pay for the fastest service that I can that enables me to watch the most games because I like sports so much. Not that I waste money on everything that's convenient, but for me, this is, like, a non-negotiable thing. Like, I will... Fair enough. I, if, if cable went away and there was a faster thing that I could just buy sports then I would 100% purchase that. And not, I don't watch the news.
0: I don't watch TV shows. Like, see, so you value nothing. you value the speed. I value the functionality. And the reason I moved off of cable is because it's a... I'll, I'll, pardon my I was going to swear here. I don't care. It doesn't matter if we swear. But it was a disaster, basically, for me. Like, if I have to... If I turn on a, a game and I can't get the channel that I had a week ago and then call customer service for a company and they tell me, you know, you're on the wrong channel. I'm like, no, 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 I'm on the right channel. They're like, no, 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 change to this channel. I'm like, this is NFL Network. Like, I'm looking for NFL Red Zone. I watched (laughs) it last week on this channel. Now it says it's not available. It's on my package because I checked. They're like, sir, you're on the wrong channel. I'm like, listen, man, I'm a huge NFL fan. I know the difference between Red Zone and NFL Network. This is not the live games. That was the breaking point for me. So that's why I'm done with cable. Now Get I just back, can... I, can yeah, <laughs> I was very mad. Um, but yes, okay. NFL live betting strategy. Even though I don't do a ton of live okay, betting. Okay, step one, purchase a cable Purch- package. You ha- you, speed is important. That, that is going to be one of the things that we talk about, for sure. Speed, speed is important. <laughs> Rob can essentially only bet on the commercial breaks now. Yes and no. And not that
1: I can't... like. Okay, let's let's get into it. Let's start it. This is a great combo, and I love the, the whole like free rolling aspect and betting in game and cause the, like at the end of the day, like the TV stream you watch, no matter when you watch it, even if it's on cable, it's still like five seconds delayed, right? So you still actually do get free rolled by the book in some cases if they're spinning wheeling you. But we'll go let's let's get into exactly what, what you want to talk about here. Okay, so
0: I general general NFL live betting strategy is not the exact same of If you were betting NFL pregame, because the dynamics of live betting are very different. You typically don't have a long period of time in order to be able to get in your bet. Whereas if you're betting pregame, a lot of times you have, uh, sometimes you're acting instantaneously, but oftentimes you, you can take your time, find the best line. You still have to find the best line. That's where I wanted to start with this. Line shopping is important. You're doing yourself a massive disservice if you are still live betting on one book. And getting one number. Three, four, five. The more books you have, the easier it is going to be in the long run to profit, regardless, when you have different lines available to you. Now, I will say, you probably want to stick to something like three or four books for live betting. Because it can be overwhelming as well. You do not have the ability to go and type in all these lines on some sort of tool that spits out the best available line to you because by the time you do that, the number is gone. Yeah, time is of the essence. So there are some things that apply from the pregame NFL betting that you have to transfer over, but you have to do it within reason. So similar concepts, but definitely price sensitivity, regardless of when you're betting or what you're betting on, is just a integral factor in betting regardless. Yeah, and in live betting markets, price
1: like the prices are even more quote unquote all over the place than in the traditional pre-game markets. So like they're they're just moving way faster and because of that, significantly more differences, right? So you might you might find like one team at like +350, you just check another site, it's like +590. Like it's not uncommon to see that in a live betting scenario whereas in the pre-game betting market those things will typically get picked off right away and then it won't be available. So live betting, definitely line shopping. Number one thing. Um, But as Rob mentioned, like you don't have time to open up like 12 tabs. There's there is, and I will say this right now, like there is no, we are, we're working on potentially trying to build something, but there is no good uh, uh, live odds comparison tool. Like anyone that's claiming to sell an odds comparison tool for live betting is just complete. It's complete bull because the speed at which you need to bet like they're not pulling those lines in as much half of the time when you're talking about live betting the sports book will be like have a grayed out number which what that means and at least that's what I call it and refer to it in, in our circle as is when something's grayed out that means it's not actually bettable so off it'll bo- show off the board it's it's off on the, the board well, it's, but on it's on the board but but, that's what yeah, i'm saying yeah. and that's why I, I call it grayed out because that's what a couple of the books do they they gray out the number meaning They'll show you that the line is Kansas City minus six and a half minus one fifteen, but it's it's not available to bet. So when you have odds comparison tools pull things in like that, it just like the book is not confident in that number. They haven't actually opened it up. They're not willing to write any action on that. Meaning, it's not a real number. Technically, it's just it's just there. It's not actually meaningful. So when you have scenarios like this, odds comparison tools don't really work. And when Rob mentioned like you know stick to two or three or four. That's probably the sweet spot there is maybe three books. Pick your best three live betting outs and just go for those ones because you need to be able to see when stuff's actually on the board, when stuff's off the board. You need to be able to check, obviously, the betting limits of each site, how much each will be taking at certain times, whether it's actually truly in game or at a commercial break and different things like that. So sticking to two or three, obviously shopping around between those two or three is good. Um, but you, you, this is not the spot where you can have any like slow outs because otherwise you're going to, you know, just waste time trying to get bets in and it's going to
0: be frustrating and a terrible like betting experience. Well said, um, the biggest difference between pregame betting and live betting. And honestly, the reason I really wanted to do this topic is because we get lots of questions about live betting. uh, But also if you, if you Google NFL live betting, which I did today and went through some of the content out there. Pretty poor. It's a lot of repetitive stuff. You'll see the same thing. The biggest thing that's not touched on is the difference between the markets. When you are pregame betting on the NFL, you're you're putting your number or your bet into a sports book. We've talked about this before. You're betting into a sportsbook, but the reality is you are competing against other people in the market who are shifting the line with money. Bookmakers just reacting to where the money goes. During live betting, that does happen as well. Somebody bets into a line, it's going to move. But you're more so betting against an algorithm, essentially. That's what most sportsbooks are doing. They're paying, paying some sort of data provider to provide them with live probabilities in real time. They're taking those probabilities. They're adding a VIG on both sides, which is typically more than a, a pregame market. And you're betting against that algorithm. So your biggest edge in live betting is trying to understand what that algorithm is accounting for. What's being accounted for here? And where can I possibly deviate from that? The perfect example, or one of the perfect examples, was a game that we've talked about on this podcast before, which happened in the NFL this season, a Monday night football game between the Buffalo Bills and New England Patriots, where the wind was blowing very strongly in one direction, but live odds were not accounting for that. And you could have easily been able to back a team with the wind or bet against the team going into the wind, which was clearly not factored into the probability. So these are the kinds of edges you are looking for. Now, oftentimes you're going to have to act fast because you, again, it's a competitive market. You're competing with other people as well who are going to bet into that same line. But the algorithms, you eventually over time will become more and more sophisticated, but they can only account for so much. Yeah. And as Raul mentioned, when you're, when you're betting against an algorithm versus
1: a market, there's an um, ability to, be first to market on certain reactionary news. So Rob mentioned like win and stuff like that. Obviously the biggest one is injuries. Like as soon as a player gets injured, oftentimes in an NFL game, you don't know if he's actually out for the game or if he just hobbled off and he's going to be right back in the next play. Um, So for things like a quarterback, you'll have like... I recall a couple of weeks ago, Derek Carr, quarterback for the Raiders, um, go down, and the the commentators were making a big deal. They're like, oh, Carr went down, like, it, he's holding his knee or something like that. Like, this could be a bad one. They're like, there's no Marcus Mariota on the sideline today. Like, this could be a bad situation for the Raiders. Like, obviously, uh, implying that there's a chance that not their second-string quarterback, but actually their third-string quarterback on the roster would be coming in uh, to man the game. And what happened was just, like, it went to commercial break. There was a tweet fired off that said um, car is actually fine. He just put his helmet back on. He's entering the game. And at the time, the betting market had shifted. So people had moved it towards one way. Obviously, the, 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 the line, you're betting against an algorithm, right? So the algorithm doesn't actually factor in that info. It's humans moving it and bets moving it and people trading it on the other side of things. So you have a situation like that. Then news comes back that actually car is fine. You know, go ahead, back you can bet the Raiders after the adjustment, things like that. So um, that's one way that you can actually bet against people and other market makers and movers in this situation is being reactionary to news, being first to market on either news that someone's out or news that it was implied someone was out and they're actually back in. Um, But then when we're talking about betting against just the straight algorithm, you have other things like Rob mentioned, like wind or like is a kicker injured like is the kicker injured now they're no longer gonna kick field goals and now you can go hammer a bunch of different stuff like total field goals under next score touchdown next score next three scores touchdowns like you can hammer all those on certain live betting books where you can just like pick off across the board
0: yeah i would say like team tendencies and strengths change over the course of a season as well but they're not encapsulated um one example would be a team that fires their coach mid season and a new coach comes in and their, their style of play when leading or trailing is very different than the previous coach. Well, if you're building an algorithm to account for what a team's going to do when they're leading, you're going to take the long sample of the entire season, say this team plays really fast. They throw the ball, they still throw the ball or whatever. And then you might get a completely different dynamic. So again, it's just trying to pick up on things that, um, uh, I don't want to say an unsophisticated algorithm because they're actually very sophisticated, but they're also very easy to to kind of predict and know what's being factored into those. Right? Like if you were building some sort of model to account for the NFL, is this going to be something that would be easily incorporated? And in a lot of cases, you know, two injuries on the same play on an offensive line or something like that—it's very likely that that's going to be factored in immediately. I, also, it's going to be the the, the opposing team. Is going to factor into that equation as well did that injury actually matter in the grand scheme of things is the market going to overreact to the, that type of thing with the matchup so there's all sorts of stuff but i'd certainly say injuries weather and any sort of sh- dynamic shift over the course of a season that you think is something completely different from what we would have expected earlier on in the season is probably not being captured correctly
1: yeah i agree Um, When we talk when we talk about again betting against that algorithm and not necessarily like just factoring in how it's made, um, what I would say is, and we've heard people talk about this, um, you know, people like uh, Ed Miller, Matt Davidow, who run uh, Deck Prism Sports. They do the live betting software for a number of sportsbooks that has been publicly announced, including some of the largest ones in the U.S. and offshore, and what they've mentioned is like, you know, they're building this based on an algorithm that they have, and then they're adjusting in game and they're constantly making improvements, right? So at the end of the day, when you're building it based on an algorithm, what they're essentially saying is, this team was a 16 point favorite coming in. Now they're down 14. This is the new spread based on our mathematical model. But oftentimes it doesn't factor in that certain teams have different tendencies, like Rob said, and they might be playing different in the game. So when you look at a team like last week, the the New York Jets were playing the, the sorry the, the um, Bucks the Bucks, and it seemed like they were really trying to go for the win there. There was two scenarios late in game where the Jets actually went for um they went for it on fourth down instead of potentially punting it, which in some scenarios is, is like the safer play and the, probably the statistically correct play on at least the first one there, um and. If you pick up on those tendencies, there's oftentimes you can say like, okay, the Jets are trying to win this game really, really badly. Like they're likely going to go for it. Maybe the spread is not going to come into play as much as the money line in this game. So maybe, you know, the spread of plus three and a half isn't going to matter or plus two and a half isn't going to matter because the Jets are either going to win this game or they're going to lose it by six here, or they're going to lose it by whatever, three here. They're not going to kick this field goal. They're going to try to score a touchdown and not send it to OT. You might have other scenarios where, not saying that a team is tanking, but there's scenarios where you can tell that a team has just given up on the game. And this might even come into play in like the third quarter, right? If a team has the ball, they're down 21 points. Um, you have it fourth and one at midfield at the end of the third and they punt that ball away. They've essentially given up on that game. And then you get into the fourth quarter. And it's in. They might have you know another fourth and two uh, on their own forty-five, and you'll see them punt it away again. At that point, you can pretty much safely assume that for the rest of the game, any borderline scenario, they're going to punt the ball away. It's going to really impact what your value on the actual point spread is going to be in that game, knowing that this team is not actually going to start firing away. Um, typically, that's a key sign to bet the under in the game versus the over. Um, And also, you know, potentially, depending on what the spread is at the time, you can find an advantage there. And then there's other scenarios where you can see a team is down and they're like, doesn't matter if I lose by two or if I lose by 28. Right. So I'm going to be going for this like crazy. And if I lose, I lose. So in those scenarios, there's way more variance. And then again, you have an additional edge there. And then that's typically a scenario in which you'd bet the over in the game because if it's a fourth and one at their own 30 they go for it you know in the scenario that they miss it, it is probably points on the board for the other team and in the scenario where they're more aggressive it's a higher expected value points for your team so looking at tendencies like that when teams have given up and when they're actually still trying to win the game and they don't care how much they lose by you know you mentioned this on twitter like a lot of teams now it seems like they're the coaches are kind of trying to more save face and lose by a little less they don't want to get absolutely thrashed by the cowboys so they'll try to you know punt the ball a little more kick field goals, even when the game's already over, just to make it so that they only lost by 11. When, at the end of the day, losing by 11, it's getting you the same amount of credit as a loss by 28.
0: For sure. Um, okay, so we've gone over dynamic changes. One thing, well, Do I you agree there, by the way? I that's do. A, yeah, that's... That, that happens all the time. I mean, you kind of know sometimes by the aggressiveness of the coach over the course of the year as well and who it is, whether they're going to be going for a fourth down situation. So you can almost get that bet in, in advance sometimes of the actual fourth down coming. Like if it's a third and long and you know, the coach is going to go for it. I mean, I'm, I'm just, but yes, I, I, I Yeah. What I, I was, ta-
1: I'm not even talking about like the chargers going for it more this year and like s- stuff like that. What I'm straight or like the, the Packers have been going for it more when they're in short yard situations. I'm, I'm talking like just seeing in the game, like a team being down and being like, Oh, the Jags are, they gave up. They're not even trying to go. Like if it's fourth and 15, With six minutes left and you're down two scores like you you have to go for that You're not going to lose you're not going to win the game if you punt it And if they punt that then what that just tells you is that they don't this game is over And they're probably just going to punt again on the next down as well So it's a scenario where you can just look at that i'm saying after having the info come in that they've quote-unquote given up um, And then find an edge there on whether it be the the total um, Or the, the spread depending on again if the key numbers are going to come into place, which I'm sure is something we'll talk about in a second.
0: Well, I think it's a valid point. And I, I mean, it can be brought back to real life, but you look at, you mentioned the Chargers, you look at Brandon Staley, their head coach, known for being highly aggressive. They were playing the Denver Broncos last week, a situation where Denver had a lot of COVID going on with the team. The Chargers went off as eight, eight and a half point favorites. Brandon Staley actually was kicking long field goals on fourth and short, which is very unlike what he would typically do in the past. That's something that if if you're modeling the course of a season with the Chargers going to go for it or not, you would give them a very high probability to go for it. You see them kick that first field goal. You say, okay, maybe something's different here with the mentality of the game. They realize they just don't want to, they'll make the the Broncos work for things or something like that. I don't really know what the logic was, but that just changes the way that they're going to play the game. Right. Probably got backlash for losing a Houston. Of course. I mean, who knows The media (laughs) media was all over him. Um, key numbers and line shopping. We talked about a little bit about the line shopping, but I think a very challenging thing for most recreational bettors when they are live betting, the NFL is the amount of time that they have to get in a bet and trying to distinguish which of the numbers that they're getting at different sports books is actually better because you'll get lots of funky numbers, which you don't see pregame in, you'll get like 18 and a halfs. 23 and a half so you don't see these spreads pregame in the nfl at least it's very rare and on top of that because sportsbooks charge more vig for live you often get some funky vig on the games minus 127 on a side or something like that so it's very difficult for you in real time to have three sportsbooks open and like i said type in all these lines in some sort of tool you know lots of people use unabated you can go there and type in three lines that's great pre-game in game very difficult and challenging to do so I think a good exercise for anyone who is more recreational and wants to live bet is to actually go through the practice of doing this in real time where maybe it's a commercial break and you get three different lines at a sports book. You kind of write them all down or put them in a spreadsheet. And in that moment, pick out what you think is the best line and do that for an entire game. Do that for multiple games. And at the end of the day, go back after the game's over the following day, figure out how many times you were correct or not and which ones you were incorrect on. And you will just learn by basically going through that type of process. You learn through error. So I think that's something that's very important because again, we preach it all the time, but it really does make a big difference. Like even if you're saving 5 cents, 10 cents on a game, this stuff all adds up over time. And even if you're a casual better, it's still worthwhile to do it. Anyone does this in their daily life in terms of cost savings, right? Um, If you're getting the exact same thing for a different price, you're always going to take the cheaper price. So go through that process uh, try to understand what the better numbers are in terms of uh, incorporating the VIG and everything like that. But it does make the world a difference. And in real time, you just don't have the opportunity to do that.
1: Yeah, I'd say to add to that, um, obviously, practice makes perfect. But um, there's a lot of times where people have, you know, in their head, they have ideas of what some key numbers are from pregame, which they're absolutely correct about, you know? So um, obviously, in NFL, highest key number would be the three, right? The one the one field goal score. So you have like a plus three and a half and a minus two and a half. That's an automatic earn at a low enough juice rate in right. pregame, right? But in game, when the scores are all jumbled up, oftentimes the books, and I'm not, I won't say like they they won't get you. They're not out to get you or anything like that. But a lot of times you, people will get caught by buying points that are completely useless or dead numbers, completely dead. So an example of this would be... um Let's talk about. Let's. I'll, I'll go for the, for the exact correct answer. I'll say like. Let's say we're talking about NFL playoff game. Okay, and you have Chargers, Chiefs, and the Chargers are up three. Okay, so now if the Chargers are up three, and um, you now take a spread that is um, Chiefs minus three. Okay, that means that you have the Chiefs to win by three points. Right, so the three. Is the exact same in that scenario as the three and a half, because the reality is you cannot tie that game in the NFL playoffs. Right. So, the Chiefs winning the game and went like covering minus th- like three, and I'm talking sorry, I'm talking more about like um an in play live that's like a second half or a quarter line or something like Got that. It. So not even like a full game line in this scenario, which we'll get into in a second. But let's say you're so let's say you're at the half, okay, and you're betting a live bet like a second half bet and you're taking the Chiefs minus three. The Chiefs minus three, if they're already down three, is the exact same as Chiefs minus three and a half and two and a half, because you cannot tie. So if you see minus two and a half, minus 125, you're much better off to take minus three, minus 110, and even better, you're much better off to take minus three and a half at plus 100. It's essentially the same bet, but you're getting different numbers for each. So this is gonna be a significant, significant advantage if you're looking at in-game betting But when I say in-game betting, I don't mean the straight money line or straight game spread. I mean anything to do with quarters, halves, um, or alternate scoring that has to do with like a specific thing. So those are are big deals in these scenarios where you're not able to, or even just, you know, game goes to overtime. You know, like factor in what the chances are of like the game going to OT. Sometimes that's like almost dead on arrival, right? And they don't adjust the odds significantly for that. Um, you know, for example, if the game is currently at a five-point differential, then it's it's possible to go to OT. You know, you have the field goal and then go by two, but it's a little more difficult, for example, than if the game's at four-point differential and you have a team scoring a touchdown extra point and the other team tying it back up with a field goal. So looking at these dead numbers, um, also scenarios like that, and I've been talking for a while now, but if the team is, if the spread, for example, is, uh, you know, plus two and a half, Uh, and that team is currently uh, down by three, then it's very tough for the two and a half to come into play in the actual game because what's likely going to happen is they'll either, I mean, I'm talking late game scenario, but if they tie it up and send it to overtime, it's very hard for the two and a half. It would have to be a safety in OT, obviously, or something to do with uh, a missed extra point in regulation as well, or it might be like a a touchdown and then um, a field goal. Like it, there's a lot, there's a lot of differences that might happen because if you if you're down three, and you go for it and you get a touchdown, you're gonna to be up three. You can kick the extra point to go up four. Now the other team is also not going to just try to kick a, a field goal. You know what I mean? They're gonna to try to get, go for a touchdown. Right. And then when they get that touchdown, they're gonna to want to be up three as well. So they're gonna kick the extra point and not go for two. So the the scenario there where the two and a half comes into play is very unlikely. So again, in that scenario why take the two and a half when you can take the money line at a better odds or the the plus one or plus half, whatever it might be in that scenario.
0: All right. Two more things I want to get to, but they are more about dispelling myths. I would say about live betting. These came up in every content piece that I read about today. All right. And I, I disagree with them. That doesn't mean that I'm right, but I'll tell you specifically why I disagree with both of them. You can tell me if you agree or not. The first one, don't chase. So when when people say don't chase, this is the idea that you've already made a live bet. I'll pick a random team. You've bet the Bears plus 7 against the Packers and the Packers have now went and scored another touchdown and the live odds have updated and you can get now plus 14 and a half or something. I'm just r- throwing random numbers out there. Most of these sites will say don't chase, you have the possibility of, you know, losing way too much and the reality is if you think that that second bet is still a good bet, then you should place it. Now, obviously, you have the risk of losing more on a game when you start making more bets on a game. This just this is just, like, common sense, right? But if you feel like you're getting a valuable line, you should not avoid it just because you've already betted at a worse line.
1: Yeah, it's not an automatic do
0: and don't. Right. I, I, I agree
1: 100%. Like, what I think you know most of the time like yeah if you're just like trying to have fun on the game and you're dunking some negative ev um bets and you're just like tossing some money on something that's just for fun and then you get a better line like yeah probably the best call is not to dunk your entire sportsbook balance on one bet but in general like there's no there's no way that could be a rule of thumb like avoid chasing like what chasing what you know what i mean like you got to be if if you have a bet and then the line moves. Now it's a new situation in game. You may have a new edge that's uncovered based on the new line at the new, you know, point spread or or money line odds based on the new score in the game. So obviously you you you're going to have a correlated bet if you like the same side. So potentially staking like a little bit less on that as per correct bankroll management might be a little bit better, but all in like there's no way that you sh- that that should be a rule of thumb like don't chase your bets. Never bet once you have, you know, gone down the rabbit hole and already had a bet in
0: like obviously everything within reason you don't want to keep doubling down over and over and over and like increasing your like again everything within reason dollar cost average right (laughs) the reality is though is that if you think that you you've made a bad bet earlier in the game whatever that's fine that's going to happen because of the nature of the nfl any score uh, or field position change turnover is going to change the live odds. If you feel that something has worked against you and you're getting a better price and you still have value at that price, bet it. Yeah. There's also been times where I've
1: done the reverse on that. And, you know, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But what I say when I mean, what I mean when I say the reverse is let's say like you have a team in hockey down three nothing. And I think it's, they're completely outplaying the other team and it's going to be a significant chance that they come back to tie this game. And I bet them at plus a thousand. And then they score a goal and now they're down three one. And I still think it's mispriced at plus six hundred, which obviously the line got in your, fav- moved in, in your favor. Moved in my favor. Yeah. Uh, I might hit them again at plus six hundred. And then what, what might happen is now they're down three two and they still might be priced in a range of plus three hundred, which I still see as value. So I'm gonna add more to my position, even though the line that I'm getting now is actually quote unquote less favorable, even though it's moved in my favor, but I'm getting less return now, maybe less odds. Um, I'll still bet it because I still feel it's an edge, even though it's going the other way around. So definitely, I think what you're saying is 100% true. There's no rule of thumb. Like you can can repop something three, four, five times in either direction. Obviously, just be cognizant that you're not, you know, entering a spot where you're betting more than you could afford to lose because they are, you know, in all scenarios, correlated on the same team.
0: The second one I wanted to get into, which this is common sense. We've talked about this on this podcast before, um I, I hope that people who have listened to previous episodes can pick up right when I say this um what the problem is always try to middle the game. Now this is a this is a thing people do and that's fine. You know the the whole idea of getting uh, you know plus money on both sides of a game, you're guaranteed to win money regardless of who wins. I get it. I understand why people would want to do that, guarantee themselves money. The reality is you should never make a bet that you don't think is positive expected value just to guarantee yourself money. You're actually costing yourself EV in the long run by making that bet. So a lot of people will do that. They're like, okay, I can get a middle on this game. I can walk away with some money. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. And that, repli- that doesn't just apply to live betting. That applies to every opportunity you ever have to middle. I see this all the time, especially in this day and age in the NFL because the COVID news, you see the line swing so much that people will bet it and then they'll bet the other side at close to give themselves an opportunity to middle. That's fine, provided that you actually feel that you have value on that other side when you bet it.
1: Yeah, we've said it before, if you're, ha- if you're just doing this for fun and it's more fun for you to lock in the profit, live another day, that's fine, you know. You could do it, but it's not. You're not going to make money long term by doing that. You're going to cost yourself money long run, as Rob said. Simply put, quite obvious. You, you're you cannot. You can never arb out of your bets that didn't move in your favor. You know what I mean? So if that's the case, and you can't arb out of bets that didn't move in your favor, what's going to happen is you're going to arb out of the ones that are high expected value, and you're going to just straight lose the ones that are low expected value. All in. You're costing yourself money and with the total VIG on live betting market, we didn't really mention this, but it's it is a higher it's significant. Yeah, it's a significant juice. Like typically you're not going to be betting into like minus one ten, minus one ten. Usually be minus fifteen, minus fifteen. In some cases, um, you know, you might have minus 10, minus 10, but that will be for more reduced juice books. That might be a minus oh five, minus minus 05, 5 pregame. So in any scenario, the book will never offer you the same odds pregame and in play. So just even, you know, factoring that in is like you're paying additional VIG to our boat. Uh, it's probably not smart unless you feel you have an edge on that for whatever reason. We're reacting to news, something else came in, new info, or if you like that side better.
0: All right. I think we did a good job with this topic. We're about 40 minutes in here. I got to say.
1: You want to skip this next topic?
0: No, let's do it. Let's Let's, let's skip- start it.
1: Let's skip it to next week. Okay, let's do that, and I, then and then we'll we'll get into the segment now, and sure. then we can do a better job on this next week. Otherwise, sounds good. It, it is
0: it is a really big topic. Um, I'm I'm proud of you, by the way. You lasted 40 minutes. You didn't pick up your mic. You didn't turn your chair. You you've been in like the same spot. So it took like a, a week for you to develop well, some professionalism. I got this
1: new chair. This is the thing. This one swivels. And I went off, off mic here. <laughs> this one swivels. It, the other chair I had was not, it was just like a f- regular like folding chair. We're still coming up with the full setup. and We got a new table coming in that should be a lot better in terms of like angling for us to be facing each other and facing the camera as well. So we're making do what, where we are, but I th- thank you for that. Yeah, I'm trying to, last week was, was a mess when I watched that back. I was fidgeting with everything. It was,
0: I mean, it wasn't your finest performance, but listen, everyone grows, everyone gets better. You learn from experience, right? Sometimes, you know, I wasn't a winning better when I first started betting. I was running away from bookies all over the place, owing like 800 bucks when I was in high school. You learn from these experiences and you move on. What happened to you, Pizzola? (laughs) No. Um, Okay, here's what we're going to do. The second topic that we were going to do was bankroll management. It's very convoluted and bloated, I would say. We could probably spend an hour on it, so we will move it. It won't be next week. Next week, we're going to have Adam Chernoff on. Okay, so um,
1: we'll, we'll save it for the next well, so episode. So we'll save it amazing. for the
0: next episode. That's an educational topic, which will be bankroll management because there's a lot to talk about there. Uh, but we will get into, uh, we'll get into a new segment, which I'm looking forward to. Let's see how this goes. Zach, you can hit it.
2: I don't know what we're yelling about! I've never seen you mad. I get peeved. Why are you in such a bad mood? What do you care? It's only a game. Why do you have to be mad?
0: Um, okay, tweets that trigger us. We're going to uh, get started here. We have selected. This is. We'll go through the process first of what happens. I spend so much of my week on Twitter, probably more so than you, Johnny. I get mad when I see some stuff. Part of it is just like dumb commentary. Directed at me like Pizzola, you're an idiot for feeling this way. That's not kind of the stuff I want to focus on. But when I do get triggered, I'm making notes of this is what really bothered me, and the idea is not to to rip these people per se. Although I might get there because you know sometimes I'm a I'm a negative, pessimistic person. But it's too you're mad, bro. I sometimes yes, and I'd like to turn it into a learning experience in some cases. Sometimes it'll be very obvious. Sometimes it won't be, but just be heavily dominated by my tweets, but we'll start with one of yours because you wanted to contribute to this session. All right.
1: So for anyone listening on audio right now, we do have the YouTube available with the video content. If you want to check it out, please subscribe on YouTube. It'll help us out a lot in terms of growing uh, and exploring a new audience. So we'll read out the tweets first, uh, I guess, who they're from, like to give some context. So if you're on video, you can follow along here. So first one I'm going to read out. This is uh, from uh, Rob's good friend, Spread Investor, who uh, he's known for quite some time, and I know he's, he's been over his house for dinner, and so he He's like a good buddy of his. So um, he is posting, I'll give the context. Somebody DM'd him off Twitter. He blurred out the name, and he said, uh, the person who DM'd him said, do you have any tips on bankroll management? Have you written an article about it anywhere? Love your stuff, man. And I'm excited for when college basketball picks up. So he's asking for tips on bankroll management and exactly you know, how that works. And uh, here was the response from uh, Spread an Investor. So he said, it all stems from emotion. Control your emotions, you control the bankroll. Everyone talks about bankroll management, but when you're not tilting, there is no logic. You have to find something to do to replace the tilt go for a walk, turn off the phone. but it's all about how you premeditate that stuff well before the bet. have to have to visualize seeing yourself under control even after the worst beats. It's like a diet and avoiding the fatty foods at parties.
0: So obviously by the way, I didn't see this tweet in real time. I don't I don't follow this guy. I can't Johnny's joking he's being like very uh, what's the word I'm looking for Sarcastic sarcastic yeah. When he says that uh, we're friends, I don't like this guy at all. Had I seen this, this could have been a candidate for me as well. So I'm glad you picked this one out. So here's here's what I'm gonna here's why this this uh, tweet triggered me. Okay,
1: and very simply put, I'll start this off by saying this: this the advice he's giving in this tweet is fine advice for for a lot of stuff. You know, oh, he's saying you got to control your emotions, you have to be calm, not get tilted. It's like a diet; you have to avoid. The fatty food at parties. You know what? Honestly, that might be fine advice for other stuff. But let me tell you what it is not fine advice for. And that is bankroll management. <laughs> because I'll tell you what bankroll management is. This is, quite honestly, so mathematical that it has nothing to do with emotion and control and meditation and things like that that he's that he's talking about, okay? Bankroll management is optimizing how much money you have per your bet size so that you can A, stay in the game longer and not go bust, and B, maximize your return with the most amount of money. There is quite simply mathematical strategies and formulas that you can apply to your betting based on your betting style, the, your risk tolerance, and the amount of money you have that are going to help you, okay? What he is giving advice for here, like I said, is absolutely not bankroll management. He's giving advice on how to not be a problem gambler. He's giving you advice on how to not, yes, You know what else you got to do when you when you lose five hundred dollars, don't stay up late, play on the online casino and lose another thousand. You have to you definitely can't do that. You have to be disciplined. But I will say meditating, thinking about it, getting in the zone and avoiding fatty food at parties is not going to help you with your bankroll management. That was a topic we had for this podcast, and we are going to break it down in detail. We'll put some stuff on the screen, show you exactly how to calculate stuff in a future episode that's going to actually help you. Uh, in the meantime, feel free to take this advice, though, if you are trying to lose some weight for, for the new year. Well said. Yeah, I
0: mean, uh, I, I, I have nothing more to add. This is just advice on how not to be problem problem gambler. That's exactly what it is, which is fine. Definitely not Tips for bankroll management. All right, Zach. His tip is go, go for a walk. Go for a walk. <laughs> well, you know what? Listen, sometimes you got to blow off some steam. I listen to music or whatever, but it's never affecting much? I have, have $1,000. How much should I be betting per game? Go for a walk. Go for a walk. Avoid those fatty foods at parties, and maybe it'll come to you.
1: Go for a walk and visualize how much you're going to bet for this game. <laughs> That's how you bankroll,
0: manage. All right. Tweet number two. We move on. All right. I'll give some context for this one. This is from an account called hockey statistics at hockey statistic one. Now I have nothing against this account. I don't follow it. Got kind of, I actually think somebody sent this to me or tagged, tagged it with trigger tweets or something like that. But there's a chart here of the log loss of closing lines for NHL over time. Log loss is just an error metric. For anyone who doesn't know, it's just a measure of um, how well the closing line has performed over time, which has fallen off a cliff the last two years here. I'll get to that in a second. The tweet. I'm working on a new prediction model, so I'm building a baseline from the log loss of the closing lines. The market log loss this season and last is significantly lower than the previous seasons. Either the parity has decreased and slash or The bookies are getting better. This stuff, again, I'm sure this is a nice guy who's just evergreen, or sorry, like green in the space, doesn't understand. If the log loss or the closing line of a sport is getting worse.
1: Explain what the chart means. Explain what it it means, because it it is... I'm not going to say it's valuable, but
0: it does show a trend. So explain what trend it does and we can get into that. Over time, we see very consistently for the last decade or so that the log loss is in a similar range. And then last year and this year for hockey, it's going way down. The closing line is less efficient in the NHL. This does not mean the bookies are getting better. In fact, it would mean the exact opposite. If the closing line is worse, it technically means the bookies are worse. But even furthering this argument, it has nothing to do with the bookies. It has literally nothing to do with the bookies. It is a measure of what the market is betting. Again, being a bookmaker, no disrespect to bookmakers out there. I I have friends that are. Jeff Davis uh, is one that comes to mind who would probably entirely agree with me here. It's very simple. You're just moving based off of the money that's coming in. It's not that complicated. So to say that bookies are getting better because the closing line is getting worse is completely irrelevant. And on top of that, what bothers me the most about this is like, let's think about what's happened in the world in the last two years. Why do we think the closing lines in sports are getting worse? Well, last year, if we think about hockey, there's games with some fans. There was games with no fans. There was games where half the team was missing. There's games where we have third string goalie starting now. Of course, it's much more difficult to predict that. And that's happening in the NFL this year. How much? How many times have you seen this year, NFL, closing line means nothing anymore? It still means a lot. It's just much more difficult to arrive at the true probability on a game when you have so many more unknowns and like unprecedented situations.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's, it, it makes a lot of sense what Rob's saying, like, the bookies has nothing like that's probably what triggered you. I'm oh, assuming the
0: most. This is the stuff that drives me crazy, though. I'm
1: or the bookies <laughs> are getting better. <laughs> you're like, a that would mean because you're right that it technically w- what he thinks this is is actually he's wrong because he his conclusion that is the exa- should be his the exact conclusion opposite. Should be that if he said here the bookies are getting worse, then you probably wouldn't have been triggered. But also, it didn't have to do the bookies. It's the market and the betters are getting worse because right. if that line is sitting there and not bet into place, and the log loss is actually declined, that actually means that the bettors are worse because the market's less efficient, technically would be easier to beat. So that would mean that the bookies got worse. But really what it means is the bettors got worse. And really on top of that, like Rob said, what it means is there's just been more variance because there's a lot more things that we don't have sample size for.
0: Yeah, what really bothers me overall about these is, is just when people don't understand how the betting space works. And they think that there's like, whether... It's, you know, Vegas knows those ones are the ones that like, it, and it's kind of a similar type of thing here, right? It's kind of like a. you could summarize that conclusion as Vegas knows the bookies are getting better. And it's like, that's not how things work. Wait, would that even mean that the parody has decreased? Like what would that have to do with anything? I don't, I don't know what the conclusion of this tweet so is. The, that's the parody, why I was so rattled when I
1: read it. There is parody in the NHL, right? The, the largest favorites that we used to have in the NHL were like, you know, every game was within, like, roughly minus 300 on, on either on either end. Minus 300, plus 300. Now, this year, we have seen, I think that's the Florida over Montreal a couple of weeks, or maybe last week, so was the biggest favorite. I, yeah. I think at some places, like, yeah, I don't know what, it, what we'd give as a consensus, but definitely it was, like, minus 600 in some places, minus 650. Uh, that's the biggest line or biggest spread I, I've ever witnessed in NHL. Could be wrong. But, so, yeah, the parity is decreasing, but, but that's like overall, I don't know if that's correct because I think the parity is decreasing. It's like a game like that. Montreal is like half the team out and starting like
0: a, a worse goalie. So yeah,
1: like, it, no, no, I don't even know what the parity would have to do. I'll tell with you what's going to
0: happen to the log loss of the closing line. When things go back to normal in the world, it's going to look the exact same as the previous years because we have a longer sample of previous years being in a very small range and then a huge drop off over the last couple of seasons. Well, why is that? I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I can think of a very, you know, easy hypothesis as to why. All right. All right. Next one, Zach. Oh, okay. Live moods. Um, Live moods. Let me preface this. I'm going to preface every single tweet we ever do by saying I don't have anything against this person unless we do. With Spread Investor, I have something against them. So I have no problem with that one. Live Moods, no problem with Live Moods. In fact, she's retweeted some Betstamp stuff before. She's been a supporter of the brand. No issues with that. So I just want to get into this because this one really bothered me, really agitated me. I had some great teased plays today, but thanks to the Colts and Lions, the teasers didn't hit. Steaming angry face. Then we have three, two, two teaser lists. One, which is a uh, incorrect three-leg,
1: two three-leg teasers. She's listing out the teaser plays. For those listening on audio, she's listing out her plays. Colts minus two, Rams minus one, Bengals plus nine and a half. And right beside each
0: is the result. So it's either like a loss, a push, or a win. What drove me crazy about this one, I had some great teased plays today. Two teasers, both of them lost. One of them had a loss and a push in the same teaser. When we get to the point of evaluating individual plays within teasers, I, I I can't get to that point ever. That that drives me absolutely insane. But this second teaser, for me, a great teaser has nothing to do whether, with whether it won or lost. Let me start by saying that. Obviously, you want to win at sports betting but you also want to capture certain numbers in the NFL. That second teaser, the losing play is Lions plus 12 and a half. Where you are going through so many dead numbers on a teaser. 8. Someone nine, argue all of the dead numbers. 11. That is arguably one of the worst teaser plays imaginable. Now it looks to me just based off these spreads this is some sort of weird like four or five point teaser. It's not even really a six point teaser. That top one is seems fine to me because you're at least capturing, like if you have a four point teaser, which I think FanDuel does, you're at least capturing three on two of those bets and seven on one of them. Like that, that I'm okay with. Mathematically, it's still probably a losing endeavor in the long run, just based off the VIG, but whatever, capturing key numbers. That second one, teasing a total down from like 45 to 41, Okay, that's actually not too bad because at least you go through 44, but you're teasing a total for one. And then lines plus 12 and a half. But what really bothered me was the individual recap of the tweet teaser plays. Like, I can't can't get over that. I can't. We can't do this. We cannot do this with teaser plays where you say you lost one of the three plays on the teaser and it was a great, great tease. Well, one, one, and one. Yeah, like, we can't.
1: Which, I I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know if FanDuel's grading on these, but for most of the PPH is like one single push in the teaser pushes the whole parlay. So she might've got, she might've got a break there.
0: I, I don't, I don't actually know, but we can't do this. We cannot get to this. You, we cannot say like, this was a great parlay. When, when, when one of the legs lost and one of the legs pushed, like it, it wasn't. Or what about if you went three and two in a parlay on a five team parlay and then said, great parlay. If I had only straight betted I would have made money. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm getting at. Right. So I actually do appreciate the recaps we need more of this kind of stuff where people do recap their plays and actually honestly and transparently do that. I'm fine with that and everything to do with that. But this one bothered me. I'm sorry. It had to be live moods. could have been anyone honestly could have literally been anyone, but yes, that's, that's it. Like, and then I guess the bottom part even triggers me as well, which is early leans from Tuesday, which is, Cardinals plus five and a half, check mark next to it. Bengals plus five and a half, check mark next to it. Lions plus seven with an X next to it. You know what the word lean means to me? Johnny. It means I didn't bet this game. I won $0 off of this game. I don't celebrate winning $0 personally. I don't, I don't like that. I don't like recapping leans as winners and losers. Well, here's a question. You think like, I don't know. I don't know live enough. But does that happen if if those leans went 0 and 3 are they in the tr- in the tweet? Yeah, maybe maybe not. I don't know. I mean for I
1: I don't think live sells picks, so I wouldn't uh, No, no. Listen. Do, but a lot of people who do sell picks then yeah, that's the oldest trick in the book, you know. Uh lean New Orleans
0: +8. Cash New Orleans +8. Yeah, then- that bothers <laughs> me. I mean it, it it does. I'm I'm all for record keeping and stuff, but when we start getting into individual Plays of teasers. Tell me, did the teaser hit? Yes. Did you get good numbers in the teaser? Or like, did the parlay hit? Yes. What were, you know, each leg that you parlayed, did you get good closing line value on that parlay? Same, like, that. the, the rest of the stuff is, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. I've said my piece. I'm sorry it had to be live Moods. I actually quite like her in general. And I know she's grow- built up a pretty large following as well. So it's nothing personal. But this just happened to be one of the tweets that set me off. All right. Next, next up. One.
1: Next one. This is the surprise me with this one. I haven't seen it yet. Ooh. Oh, no, I haven't okay. seen this one.
0: This one. This, this one. Oh, this, is, this one hold the, held a special place in my heart this week. This is going to be a two-part two tweet. Jersey Capper, who has been using BetStamp for a long time. Almost like one of the OGs of the app, I would say. One of the original gangsters. Tweets out right before the new year. According to bet stamps, rolling verified stats, we have now officially wiped out the deficit from last season, last NHL season. Happy to put that season behind us with the uh, prayer emoji, you know, hands together. So he had a last
1: losing season last year on the app and a lot of people gave him some grief for it and he's, he's now uh, wiped out that losing season and is now back into the green. So congrats, first off.
0: Yes, congrats. Next tweet. We get a guy in... The messages in the responses. This guy, AZ back D backs ninety three ninety three. What's funny is his whole month of November is not listed. That's why Betstamp is the chosen play tracking tool for every scammer on Twitter. Where are all of his November plays, Frank? He's responding to someone named Frank. Jersey cat member subs want to know. So this guy, this is why this tweet really bothers me. This guy thinks he's a genius and he's, he's doxing the bet brand. All the scammers go there to track. His issue is that Jersey capper did not track place in November on Betstamp. I don't know the reason for that. I have no clue. I don't know Jersey capper personally. I know back in the day when I was first betting NHL, we used to, you know, chat on Twitter, whatever. I don't know the reason. The fact that this guy, was actually able to use Betstamp to identify that there were no plays tracked in November is exactly why Betstamp is a useful utility for people who are looking into somebody's record. Because there is no way that Jersey Capper can delete his November record. It's impossible to do so on our app. Once a play is verified, it exists forever. So this guy thinks he's doxing us and responding and saying, this is the, the platform where every scammer goes. When in reality, he is saying exactly why the platform is useful. Agree.
1: 100%. Like he, he's, he's basically saying like, well, this guy didn't play his, he didn't have his November picks on there. So like, it doesn't count. It's like, well, a first off, I don't know why he didn't bet in November. That's something you gotta take up with him, but now you know that that exactly. was not there, right? Like you know what was there and what was not there. You know for a fact that all the picks he placed on Betstand that he tracked there are legit, are verified, and now he is in the green on stand. Whether he has alternative bets that he had placed or tracked at in other other metrics or other other platforms or on Twitter is again. That speaks to the shadiness of someone or whatever it might be. For all we know, he said, I'm taking November off. I'm not betting in November. Or maybe didn't post on BetStamp in November for whatever reason. But his November record was not deleted. His November record was was null. He did not post in November. So now you have that ammunition when talking to someone. Hey, why is there a November record there? What was your real November record? Why is that not on there? Why does this not match with the r- historical record from... Uh, or that you're advertising. So, again, Rob, great, great find in this one. I think like the reason, yeah, this is this is almost as if it, this is like an, a pro, an ad for Betsy. Exactly. This guy, th- that's that's what, like he was able to go not message Jersey Capper, go on the platform and immediately like anyone who who we we do have with the app right now, a lot of people criticize a lot of the users who are doing well. This guy's doing well because he does only this. This guy's doing well because he is pick. He is picking off this line, or he's steam chasing injury news, or something like that. Like, wow, isn't it amazing that you can now go through, do the analysis for yourself, and exactly see where everyone is winning and who's beating the closing line and and why they're beating it and when they're placing? You can see the exact time that they track the bet. So if you know the, you can go back and now find it. When was LeBron James announced out? Six fifty eight p.m. Great. When was that bet tracked? Six fifty nine. All right. You bet that on the LeBron injury news. So now you know that that user is doing that, and now you can either choose to avoid or potentially, you know, there is an edge there, by the way. So nothing against steam chasing injury news. Most of the time that people, if we do have uh, oftentimes you, you'll catch a line that's stale for a minute or two within the app before we can update the lines. And we're working on, you know, making that a lot faster. But like, man, these lines exist. If LeBron is out at 658 or 657, then probably up until 6:58, 6:59, you're going to be able to catch a price, um, you know, on the team that's facing the Lakers. So, power to it. This is a, this is a like a, a pro for Betstamp and a lot of people using the platform to look into people. Um, I guess in this scenario, he he's not like appreciating that and he thinks it's like a scamming app, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. This is a, a way for them
0: to actually now go through and see exactly what they're purchasing before they purchase it. I want every scammer, but by the way, I should say this Jersey capper. This is not, has nothing to do with him whatsoever. I don't know why his November wasn't on there. Could have won in November, could have lost. I have no clue. Okay. That has nothing to do with it. And I'm not calling him a scammer, by the way. I just want to make that clear, but I want every scammer on Twitter to be on bet stamp. That would be great. Because at least now somebody can do their due diligence on this person rather than just going through whatever made-up records they have on Twitter. So this, I mean, this should be printed out and we should frame it and put it in the office. We should put it in the studio. This is like as as good as you can get in terms of promoting. Also,
1: I'll point out for anyone listening, like had he been recapping on like a spreadsheet or um, like tagged in his bio or on Action Network, then there is a like reasonable... Amount of certainty that the November record would have just been deleted, right? Like, oh, why isn't he why didn't he have a November record? Probably lost and deleted it. You would never know. But on BetSamp, it's not the case. You can't do that. So we know for a fact that, like, you know, there's got to be an alternative motive. You have to reach out to him and obviously figure that out. Um, but like the plays that are on bet stamp are on bet stamp, they can't be altered, they can't be adjusted. It is what it is. So that record on BetSamp, he's back in the green, as far as I'm concerned. There's other things people may need to look at before buying his package if that is a thing with the November. But all in, he is back in the green. He's having a good season. It's all documented. You can see with the time that the bats were tracked and you can see the closing line value on it. So power to you. Um, again, I don't know Jersey capper personally either. And I definitely wouldn't call him a scammer as he's using the platform. And, um, you know, he, he is in the green like whether you whether you like it or not, like, you know, a lot of haters potentially don't want other people to succeed, but he's back in the green. Congrats.
0: Hopefully it stays like that. All right, Zach, let's hit the last one here. Okay, this one is interesting. So let me just read this and then we're going to have, we're, we're going to have the audio for you, Johnny. This is going to be the first time you're going to hear it because it came with, uh, came with a video accompaniment. Um, for those listening to the podcast, you, you you need the audio with it. But this is coming from sharks and sports sharky waters nation on twitter in quotations when you refine the craft you have less plays an opportunity to think clearly and let's see what he has to say
2: when you start to get to a higher level of refining of the craft you have less plays because you up your monetary exposure in a play when i was more juvenile in the craft I would have 10, 12, 15 plays, but I was only playing $50 per play. So my exposure was still $500. Now I come in there, I'm 500 to 1K a unit, and it's only big bomb bangers. And I don't say that as a cliche point to market. We only hone in on the top spots, but we zone in monetarily as well. And it's just a key point. In sports betting, there are not that many great spots. And just in general, when people are throwing huge boards, it usually speaks to just mindset. In the mind, there's lack of definition in terms of what's really, we- what's really real and what's middle ground. And when you see a big board, it's usually all middle ground shit. And you want top looks, not because it's a marketing angle, but purely because it's honed in in that environment. And then you can up your, your monetary exposure. That's all you really want, right? Like when you're betting sports, you don't want to have 10 units out across 10 games. You want to have one spot that you can trust in terms of numbers and narratives. And that's it. <laughs> Big bomb bangers. Big bomb bangers. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> we clipped go, that. That's Zach. so good,
0: Zach. Oh, man. I'm so happy you clipped that. Um, I don't even know where to start with this one other than everything I heard is wrong. Everything. Like, everything. This is the most cliche. Like, I'm a sharp sports better. You, This is how he's you He's pretty to well spoken. Things. He was. It's great. Like, honestly, he's like, uh, you know, I don't do this for marketing or something like that. I'm like, wow. Like, this... But this this guy could sell like he, he really could, you know, he's, he's a guy I'd definitely hired to sell a product, but, um, no. The reality is you should be looking to get as much money down on po- as possible on whatever you have an edge on. That's just the reality of things. If you start to limit yourself to one play, even though it might be your biggest edge, you are leaving a lot of expected value on the table. I think this is one of the biggest pieces of misinformation out there, and just perpetually keeps being driven home and driven home and driven home by people that don't actually bet or profit betting. Which is, you need to limit the amount of plays that you're putting in, and that is not correct. Now, for a casual better who has no edge, okay, that rings true.
1: But he's but it still doesn't ring true with what he's saying. He's saying bet the
0: most amount of mo- He's saying bet the same amount of
1: money just. Just just, just just reduce your just, he's increasing, just increase variance. Your variance. just increase
0: your yeah. variance tenfold yeah instead of dividing it across and being able to sustain a bankroll for a longer period of time let's just throw it all on one pick that you really like yeah but to be fair it is
2: big bomb bangers <laughs>
1: well well that so that that last part where he said at the end is just completely false right like you never so assuming your edge is the same you always want to um, reduce variance versus increase variance, right? So uh, an example that people might be even more likely to understand is like if you had a dice roll and you had a positive expected value edge on the dice roll, let's say you're given like six to one or, uh, or seven to one on the dice roll, right. um, then would you rather have one dice roll or would you rather have a thousand dice rolls? You'd probably rather have a thousand dice rolls, right? Because you're going to be able to realize that edge. So either way, what he's saying at the end is 100% wrong. You definitely do not want to um, get less plays just for the sake of getting less plays and bet more money on those plays. That's com- completely inaccurate. And what he says, he's like, when you're starting out, you got to bet less and then you got to increase your monetary exposure. I don't even know. It sounds, it sounds it's nice. Very I know it's very wordy. It's good. This is
0: what about. I'm talking about. Like this guy would definitely like, back in the day, if this guy went door to door like 30 years ago selling encyclopedias, he definitely retired when he was like 34 selling encyclopedias <laughs> i only say that because my parents bought uh, like three encyclopedia sets off door-to-door salesman yeah as did mine yeah everybody's did that's what i'm saying like this guy would definitely be he would have got started right out of school did 10 years hard aggressive selling and then been retired 100 <laughs> dude but
1: well uh, but actually though he, he is very well spoken i'll give him that for sure um like a lot of it sounded good um info in terms of like Another thing you mentioned is like, there's just not that many like games on the board that are high at high edges. Like, listen, everyone models caps bets in a different way, whatever, whatever you want to call your own style. What I will say is like, if he's saying now we like to key in on three picks a day now by setting a number, regardless of whether like now, what if there's zero plays that day, Bet his top three. Like it doesn't make sense. Like you can't just bet your top three of every day. You need to have a way to actually calculate which, what percentage ROI or what percentage uh, edge you're looking to bet, right? So if you have, you're like, okay, these three should be an edge of uh, above one and a half percent and that's the threshold I use to bet. So anything above one and a half percent, I'm going to bet and I'm going to vary my bet size above that. That is more of the correct way to do so. When you're looking at betting my top three, what if you have only two plays that are good that day? Now you got to bet three and what if you have 10 plays that are good? You can only bet three. Doesn't make much sense. In terms of the amounts he was i'm not here to amount shame anyone Definitely no, no, no. Not i don't care the, about that on the podcast but when yeah. he's saying like oh instead of betting fifty dollars on ten games bet five hundred dollars on one game another thing that you'll you'll find is like when you're line shopping and going around it's significantly easier to find better numbers when you're actually betting lower amounts so for a recreational better who is who has a bankroll of five hundred dollars or a thousand dollars like Definitely do not bet $500 on one play because what, what you're going to find is if you spread it out, you're going to be able to keep that money in different sports books. And then from there, you're going to be able to pick off better numbers at each sports book. So betting less and having more games is almost always going to be better, unless it's like a once in a lifetime uh, type edge on a single game that obviously in that scenario I mean, doesn't exist in real life. We talk about like billion dollar flips, stuff like that. Obviously, then you're going to, you know, invest a larger amount. But for almost every other scenario, it would be better to have more plays at less money and cumulative, a higher ROI and higher edge than have one play, the same ROI, or even a little bit higher ROI and dunk all your money on that.
0: Do you agree? Agreed. Regardless of what you heard in that audio, bring it back to this tweet. When you refine the craft, you have less plays. I would say that is 100% the opposite. When you refine the craft, you have more plays. You have more plays. Plain and simple. If you can find more edges, that's refining the craft. When you're limiting yourself to only a few plays here and there, you're just leaving so much money on the table. What's of. an opportunity to think clearly? Why is that in there at the end of the tweet? I don't know. It seems very like prophetic. I don't I, I actually don't know. I don't know this guy. I've never I So people are like people might be like, well no, you don't welcome. know this guy. How did you how did you come across this Stuff gets retweeted on my timeline all the time. Some Someone likes a tweet. I see it. It's, you know, sometimes it's a, a, a cesspool. And I actually had to pick from a bunch of, we could, you know, we spent half an hour on this segment. I can't even believe we spent half an hour on this segment. But yeah, I mean, this one was one that really rattled me. And then I watched the video. The video actually didn't rattle me. It actually made me laugh quite a bit because it's just full of misinformation all over the place. But. I think that's it for the tweets. I think that was a Big good debut Bob segment. Bangers. Big Bob bangers. This guy. You noticing anything there?
1: I was just trying to see if he sells picks. That was it. He's from Florida. Is this Joey Toons' brother? <laughs> kind of looks like him, no? Uh,
0: yeah, I am i don't know. I don't,
1: uh, uh, okay, cut that out. I don't want to offend <laughs> Toons. He's 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 you, you
0: think you're going to offend Joey Toons? He would put you in a pretzel, though. For sure. But, <laughs> Um, no, no, no. <laughs> You're not going to offend Joey Toons. Trust me. All right. That's it. We're wrapping up here. For those who are watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe button below, please. I'm trying to grow the following here. Uh, anyone that subscribes, you'll get notifications in real time. Whenever an episode goes live, boom, you get pinged. You get to watch the episode. How good is that? What a life that is. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we are hoping to have,
1: like I said, Adam, like Rob said, Adam Chernoff uh, on next week. Talk some NFL. We'll talk some stuff maybe about the Canadian market, a couple other cool things, uh, and learn more about Adam. He's a, a friend of ours that has been in the space for you know quite some time. And we'll test out the first in-person studio guest via Zoom. Uh,
0: where is Adam right now? The West Coast? No, Yeah, he's in like uh, Calgary. Alberta. I don't think he's actually in Calgary. I think he's like northern up. Al- he posts like the temperatures where he's at. I don't know if, it, if it's inhabitable, really. Like polar bears die where he is no from the cold.
1: So yeah, we'll have him up on the screen and we'll go from there. Uh, everybody, thanks again for watching and listening and we appreciate it. See you guys next week.